You're listening to Irreverent Bible Talk, a podcast that's not your grandma's Bible study, unless your grandma happens to be really, really cool. Listener discretion is advised if you object to bad words, women preachers, or terrible puns. Welcome back to Irreverent Bible Talk. I'm Jenny, I'm a Lutheran pastor, and I'm excited to continue our conversation about spooky, scary stories. And I'm Josh, and I'm an audio guy, and I'm also excited to continue this and hoping we delve a little bit more into what we would call paranormal. I am Pace, and I am super down to delve into paranormal stuff because I am a horror podcaster, as you've heard the last time, and also a religious nerd, so... Let's do it. Let's talk all the ghosts. Let's talk all the demons. Awesome. If you missed part one, uh, Pace is our special guest. They host Horror Nerds at Church. We'll make sure we have a link in our episode description so you can go check them out. Uh, Pace, let's talk about demons. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is the 50th year anniversary of The Exorcist, the film. The book came out two years earlier. (laughs) So I think this is a prime time to talk about demons. Uh, Love The Exorcist, by the way. Still one of my favorite movies of all time. I think a good place to start with this is to talk about Legion in Mark V. Because I I feel like every single demon possession horror movie usually quotes this with the demon inevitably saying i am legion at some point in the exorcism ritual (laughs) that is that's a pretty easy go-to it seems like a lot of those possession movies are like it works i mean because you're instantly like oh shit legion's here but that's that's like a group of demons all hell's breaking loose yeah pace remind us what happens in the story uh of legion sure sure So, Jesus is in this region, I'm pretty sure it's like north of Galilee in the Gerasene region, just chilling, doing his ministry thing, and he's walking towards this town, and this dude comes up to him, and this dude apparently lives in the graveyard, which in and of itself is kind of a spooky thing. And he runs up to Jesus and he like, apparently no one, the story tells us that no one could chain him up anymore. Cause that's how strong the demons were, I guess that they would break out of the chains. Uh, weird and terrifying. And so, but yeah, living in a graveyard and he would also like scream all night. He'd like self harm and stuff like cut himself and all that. So he sees Jesus and he runs over to him. He's like, Hey, please heal me. Uh, well, no, actually, he doesn't say that. Let me pull up my Bible so I can get this quote right, because this is a very strange thing to say when you first meet Jesus. And this is Mark 5, and I just pulled it up on Bible Gateway. Thank you, Bible Gateway, the internet resource for many a pastor and church nerd. Uh, but anyway, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Like, he runs up to Jesus who he doesn't even know her and hasn't met before. And is like, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, like in that weird demon voice. And so Jesus just instantly like exercises him or tries to. And Jesus asks for a name. Names are very significant in uh, 
Middle East culture at the time or Near East culture at the time. Um, so he asks for the name of the demon. The demon says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion being a set of troops uh, used in the Roman military. So it's a reference to contemporary times of this huge amount of troops, apparently. So Satan's troops, I guess, hanging out, chilling in this dude. And um, he begs Jesus to help him. So Jesus sees this large herd of pigs, which is apparently this town's livelihood. So Jesus is like, let me just send the demons into these pigs. So he sends the demons into the pigs, and the pigs all just run off a cliff and die. So like, <laughs> one fell swoop, Jesus stops the demon, kills the entire town's livelihood, rescues this dude, the end. <laughs> That's the story of Legion. <laughs> it's so weird. It is such a weird story. It really is. And as someone who used to raise show pigs to take to the fair as a kid, I was always... I just hated that story. But looking back with what I know more, in the Jewish faith, pigs are an unclean animal. It would make sense for Jesus to cast the demon spirit things into this unclean animal group and let them go off the cliff and destroy themselves. I agree. This whole story is really bizarre. Um, you already, Pace, identified that the the demons, apparently the demons, when they see Jesus, are like, hey, get out of here. Uh, but it's also the demon's idea to go into the pigs. They actually ask Jesus. They say, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. Um... Which is also just wild that, like, the demons are negotiating with Jesus, and Jesus is like, yeah, all right, fine, go into the pigs. Uh, I I really like the interpretation, and I think this is in uh, in the novel Lamb, that after Jesus does this and the whole town gets pissed because all their pigs are gone, Jesus is like, oh, that that would have killed in the Jewish territory. Like, right? I didn't realize they liked pigs. Yep, yep. Another interpretation I read, I, this isn't fully off topic, I guess, but like another interpretation is that um, if they were keeping pigs, that it, first of all, it wasn't a Jewish territory, but secondly, it was likely the occupy, the pigs were there to help supply the occupying force with meat. So that's another way that people try to explain away the fact that Jesus destroyed this whole livelihood. I'm generally not in the explaining away the actions. I just feel like Jesus was sometimes an asshole in the Bible. Uh, but <laughs> that's just me. But it's very similar to the ending of The Exorcist, too. So it's almost like maybe The Exorcist people got some ideas from Scripture. Who knew William Peter Blatty, the author, was a devout Catholic, probably familiar with Scripture. But just this idea of, like, the priest telling the demon, since you don't want to leave Reagan, this girl, come into me, then you can still inhabit somebody, but you'll save this poor girl um, from her fate. And then he, of course, jumps out a window and kills himself. But Unless you watch Exorcist 3, then he did not unalive himself. But that's a whole messy story. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure actually that the Gospel of Mark uh, ripped that off from the Exorcist, I think is, is how that went. Yep, yep. It is interesting, and I was thinking I, I would have to actually look, because I can't remember every, like, demon story in the, the New Testament. 
Um, but I feel like typically what happens if there's someone who has demons, then they're like friends or relatives bring them to Jesus and say like, please help our loved one. Um, because usually the thing with the demonic possession is that the person like can't speak um, or can't like ask for assistance. Um, so this story does kind of stand out because it seems to be the demons themselves that are interacting with Jesus and saying like, we know exactly who you are. Get out of here. Don't bother us. Um, and so even without somebody asking on behalf of this man, Jesus is still like, I'm going to cast you out of this guy because he doesn't deserve this. At least that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, what do we make of the the idea of demonic possession in the Bible? Um, I think this is something that's challenging for contemporary Christians. Um, and I know there are a lot of interpretations that say like, oh, you know, this was like a, a pre-modern, pre-scientific way of explaining mental illness or epilepsy or things like that. I, I, there, there may be some truth to that. Um, but, but also I think mm, we shouldn't rule out, uh, supernatural powers that are opposed to God, uh, and that's what the New Testament is describing, and so, like, maybe we should take that seriously as well. Um, where, where do y'all land on that? I tend to be on the side of... I don't like I don't like trying to explain away things that happen in the Bible. I rather just kind of confront it head on and say what is the author of this particular text trying to say in this particular moment as opposed to trying to say what actually happened. To me that is irrelevant. But I'm also uh, not super, super religious, in spite of getting my degree in theology. So I know that's kind of something that not everybody has that luxury of dealing with. But for me, it's just like, clearly the author is trying to say there is a f force that opposes God that is strong enough to break chains, strong enough to cause significant harm in this person's life, in this community's life. And Jesus has power over that force and so there's kind of like the supernatural battle happening more than what can just be seen with a uh, naked eye on the surface of things and i really like that notion and i feel like that also goes into a lot of horror film territory which you can get into but i'm curious josh what you think about that too i obviously acknowledge i obviously acknowledge that you know I believe that some of this was a demon possession on certain, in some of those stories. I think some of it is from like the writer's point of view. I'd say at the time, if you saw somebody with like epilepsy, but we had no idea what epilepsy was, you would swear it was probably a demon. And the same thing with like somebody that suffers from Tourette's, like, oh, they're speaking in these weird tongues because they can't control themselves. So I think some of it is, some of it was, this person suffered from a mental illness. Some of this have illnesses in general. Jesus cured them, but they didn't realize how to explain it. So again, that's me assuming 
the writer's point of view. I do believe that some of those stories, you know, things that you don't want to screw with, like the idea of Legion is terrifying, and anybody that would laugh at it is somebody I don't want to talk to because <laughs> just yeah. too many things can happen. Too many gross things can happen when you welcome that stuff in. Yeah, and I, I think... I, you know, I'm always thinking about these questions kind of pastorally because I literally have people who will come to me and say, like, hey, what should I do if my cousin believes she's possessed? And it's like, OK. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's always that sort of how do we interpret these stories and then what does that imply for, like, how we act in our lives today? And so I, I do feel like there's kind of a careful line to walk there because if somebody has, for example, schizophrenia, I don't think the solution to that is an exorcism, right? Like, I think people need appropriate care, especially if we're talking about stuff that's going on in the brain. Like, we, we should, you know, uh, approach those things uh, scientifically and, and thoughtfully and compassionately. And also, I think as Christians, we sometimes cede too much ground to that, right? Because I think praying, for example, like praying for God's help to overcome something, I wouldn't use that as a replacement for, for medical treatment. I think medical treatment is really important, but also like... Maybe we should be praying about it, right? Like maybe we should be asking for God's help because there are forces that are bigger than us that maybe we don't understand or maybe we can't fully grasp. And it's like, I mean, this is going to sound a little a little crass, but like it's not going to hurt to ask <laughs> to ask God to intervene, you know, like. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's tricky because I, I definitely wouldn't want anybody to think like, oh, I know how to treat my epilepsy. I just need to have an exorcism. It's like, no, you need anti-seizure medication. <laughs> Please go to a doctor. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, like, okay, so Pace, I would love for you to kind of tie this in to the horror genre. And then I also feel like at some point we need to loop back to Josh's weird paranormal experiences. Well, I can, t two, two quick things. First, I'll tell a story from my childhood that is a horror story in and of itself. And then um, I will also make the connections. But uh, so, like I said, in the last episode, uh, go back and listen if you haven't yet. Uh, but I mentioned that I grew up, my mom's a pastor. I grew up in rural Maryland in some rural communities. And so while it was still Lutheran, mainline Protestant, there were um, a lot of kind of shades of uh, Pentecostalism, evangelical kind of Christian shades in that uh, mixture I was growing up in. And I started watching horror movies way too young, um, probably. Uh, <laughs> but hey, it got me hooked on horror, so I don't regret any of that. But I would remember from about the ages of five until about eight, having been told things about, like, don't play with Ouija boards or the devil might attach himself to you. Don't do this or don't do that. Don't try to talk to spirits because the devil might 
uh, possess you or something like that. Hearing that kind of surrounding in my church life as a kid. So from about the ages of five to seven, maybe five to eight, I would frequently, when trying to go to sleep, get hit with immense anxiety and fear that I was going to unintentionally have a demon possess me, whether it was in my sleep, if I'm talking my sleep and I accidentally say something like Satan, please enter me in my sleep. Like the weird things a child thinks of, like who would actually say that in your sleep if you're sleep talking, but like, I would worry, like, what if that happens? And then like, I'll wake up and I'll be possessed by a demon or something. So it spent hours just trying to soothe myself at night just praying to god saying please don't let a demon possess me over and over and over again crying myself to sleep for how many nights i don't know but for like a good chunk of my (laughs) early childhood so that's kind of my like horror story as a kid of just like there there are ways in which these things when you are it's kind of like you said Jenny, about like having that balance of like rational thought, yes, and also accepting that there's more than that and stuff that we don't fully understand and never will. And so it's like trying to find that balance of not terrifying your child into sobbing <laughs> to before bed every night, thinking that Satan is going to possess them through no fault of their own, but also kind of acknowledging that there are evil forces out there beyond stuff that we can control or fully comprehend and how that can interact with us. Uh, But the horrorness of all of this is just, I, I don't know what it is, but it started with the exorcist film, but there's just this really thriving subgenre of exorcism films. Um, and TV shows and stuff. I don't know what is so fascinating about it. And I also do not know why the only people able to combat these demons in these films are Catholic priests. Do other religious exorcism traditions not, like, what's wrong with their traditions? That has to be this typically old white dude um, who's been a priest for 50 years or whatever. But, like... Five days to retirement. Right? Right? Like, it just, that doesn't make sense. I would love to, since we have so many freaking exorcism films, and I will say, I do love me a good exorcism film. Like, I've seen The Pope's Exorcist. I'm going to see Exorcist Believer when it comes out. Like, I'm down for it. But just, let's get some diversity in the clerical and religious representation, please. That's all I'm asking. And even, even then, like, in the, like, exorcism genre, it's always, there's always this sense of like, it's a little bit like heterodox, right? Of like the, the good Catholic, mainstream Catholic priests don't do exorcisms. It's always this like weird fringe guy who does the exorcisms, but they keep him around because every once in a while you need an exorcist. Um, although that, that's actually Josh making me kind of think t- back to our conversation about the sacraments, because I'm thinking about like, what we believe about the sacraments is not that they're magic words, right? It's not like I get up and I say like hocus pocus abracadabra and then like something magic happens, right? Like we believe that the sacraments are about something God is doing. And I think the popular portrayal of exorcisms is more of the like magic words of right like you have to say the power of christ compels you and you have to say it at like a certain number of times and you have to hold a certain you know crucifix in a certain way and it's like well i mean you need to have the 
Latin version of the Ritual Romanum, too. It can't be the English Abs- translation. Absolutely. It's got to be Latin because we all know that God and all demons speak Latin. Uh, that's just <laughs> a fact. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think, like, yeah, that makes for, like, good cinema. But if we're really going to talk about, like, again, if somebody came to me with a real concern about something, I'm not going to say, like, oh, yes, I have, like, the formula for an exorcism that will get rid of your demon. It's like, if if there is something, something supernatural going on, like, God is bigger than that, and, like, we can pray and do blessings and whatever, like, ask for God to be present in a situation. It's not about, like, do I know the magic words that are going to trap the demon in, like, the summoning circle or whatever, you know? Like, I just, that, that's a a bridge too far for me. (laughs) And you have to know its name. If you don't know its name, you're not going to be able to overpower it. The denomination of Lutheran that I belong to, they don't really have an exorcism section like that. You know, I, and some of you know, I've hunted, I was a ghost hunter and I hunted with a pastor and he was a Methodist pastor and they didn't have an exorcism per se, but they did house blessings and I helped them with that. But that's all really that we, they had, it wasn't, you know, exorcism. I don't personally think that's a great idea that we don't have anything in the in like the Lutheran that I belong to. Just understanding that the possibility of things that can happen in the different sects of religion, like we would have to reach out to, you know, like a Catholic priest if we're Christian and don't know. But maybe that's why like that traditional older white gentleman has to do the exorcism and the young up-and-coming priest. So, Jenny, can I ask a personal question on an opinion of yours? Sure. So, like, in the case that you say you have a member that comes and is like, hey, some weird shit's happening at my house. Like, I'm really uncomfortable, scared. I'm really nervous. Can you come over and pray with me? And let's say you go over, but it's like something's there. How would you proceed? Do you contact your bishop? Do you reach out to like other leaders in the community? How do you go about this as, you know, we with our lack of exorcism in the ELCA? Yeah, I mean, I probably would do like a house blessing um, and... And bring in some of the kind of ritual elements um, of, like, sprinkling holy water and praying and, you know, lighting candles. Like, things that are not in themselves. Again, it's not magic, right? But, like, I do think ritual is important. Honestly, I would also make sure they have a carbon monoxide detector in their house. Just, like, cover all the bases, because uh, carbon monoxide poisoning is real, and you should always have a carbon monoxide detector in your house. Also, if you're really nervous, have a plumber come and check your pipes. Also, have an electrician look at your wiring. Yeah, if your lights are flickering in weird ways, call an electrician. Because that can cause some issues. Um, if your wiring's bad, it can screw up your electromagnetic field in your houses. 
and it can mess with your brain. It can make you feel really anxious and have feelings of dread. I was investigating a house where it was the fuse box was in this one room and when you walked in there you felt gross but it was an older farmhouse the wiring was not the best in that room so that's what we determined with it like hey you might need to get this updated one for fire safety and two that could be screwing with you yeah so again like it may seem sort of like oh you're just like hedging your bets you're like covering all your bases but you know, there's that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, there are concrete things we can do to make sure that our homes are safer, like having up-to-date wiring and having a carbon monoxide detector. And also, like, we believe in a god who is more powerful than many demons, according to the story of Legion. Uh, and so, like, yeah, asking god to bless a space or to be present in a space, like... That's not a bad thing, just in case it's not carbon monoxide. Fair enough. Have some pigs on hand. <laughs> you know, as somebody that comes from a state that is a leader in pork production, no. Get something else. There's chickens everywhere. They're dumb. Squirrels. So many squirrels. Obviously, well, okay, so that, here's but... the... Yeah, well, we need to find out if there's a correlation between the number of pigs in your state and the number of like demonic possessions because maybe more pigs means less demons yeah i mean i haven't seen one not that i want to i'm not asking to see one screw that noise yeah i mean so josh like we're we're being a little a little flippant with this which i think is probably fair um but you have you've had some weird experiences do you want to share anything i absolutely can and I know I'm making a joke of it, but it is something I take serious, you know? It's something that interests me and I pay attention to. And I always try to be like, well, what could this actually be? But I'll just say it. Growing up on a family farm that's now a heritage farm, which means it's been in our family, in the Rindy family farm for over 150 years. That being said, growing up, I would hear footsteps coming up the stairs because my room was right next to the landing. And then I wouldn't see anybody. Because as a kid, I would keep my door open with the hall light on because, you know, I was had some fear of the dark. But I would hear this and I wouldn't see anybody come up the stairs. But I remember one specific time where I saw a shadow go across the wall from my doorway, looking right at it, but I didn't see anything else. It was just the shadow on the wall, which terrifying. But at the time I was like, what, what is happening? I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just making this up. And I went back to bed. But I remember like, I would also hear the cupboards opening and shutting because my room was right above the kitchen. It, you know, it was nothing terrifying because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a family farm. It's been in my family for over 150 years. It's it's not anything terrifying if something's there. It's great grandma, whoever, just looking for milk and cookies. Probably. But that being said, so it did get me interested. You know, I watched those ghost hunting shows when I was younger, and I was super like, yes, this is interesting, Would let, which led me to reach out to a group in the area where I was going to college and f finally actually do some investigations, seeing some weird things, 
some things we can't explain, you know, and some things you just took with a grain of salt because, you know, things happen. We were investigating a local college and this garbage can has held this door open all night, like literally from nine o'clock to two in the morning. It was in like the women's shower bathroom area. No one was near it. No one was touching it. And we were moving some stuff around and somebody made the joke like, oh, make sure we don't leave a camera in there. Wink, wink, because, you know, that's, uh, you know, not, not, not excusing the humor that I used to find funny. But when we made that, all of a sudden, the door just started shutting, pushing the trash can. Could have it just been a freak thing that happened? Probably. Was it really weird and we couldn't figure it out at the time? Yeah, it was like, what the hell? That was kind of uncomfortable. That's amazing. Yeah, that one was really interesting. Also, looking back, I, I told Jenny this story. I was reviewing audio that I had recorded from an investigation, and no one was in the room. My stuff was set up in the kitchen. Everyone was in the dining room, so no one was in there because that's where I left my recording going. During that break we were having, joking around, and you could kind of hear us talking in the background, you could hear the owner say, well, you know, no matter what happens, we're going to have the house blessed. And as soon as that was said, I just hear this growl, like, rip across my microphone. And I remember sitting in my apartment, throwing my headphones off, falling over my chair onto my bed, and, like, getting my roommate so she could, like, confirm me this and comfort me because I was freaking the math out. It was terrifying, and I still wish i still had that audio somewhere it was on a computer that went to hell so i don't know i'd love to try to get it again because it was ridiculous i have to confess i'm a little i'm a little more on the skeptical side um and so i i just have to share a story uh you, you know call it call it counter evidence uh so we talked about uh that pace and i uh went to seminary in gettysburg which is according to legend, the most haunted place in America. Uh, and I remember one of those ghost hunting shows came to Gettysburg while we were in seminary and they did, they had this like big thing where they were doing a live broadcast and they were at the Jenny Wade house. Is that her name? So Jenny Wade was like the only civilian casualty of the battle of Gettysburg. Um, and her house is still there. Um, and so they were doing like, oh, we're going to do a live, like ghost hunting, blah, blah, blah from the Jenny Wade house, like tune in at this time. And so we watched it cause we were like, this is, you know, this is cool. This is where we're living right now. Like, why not? And, and it was so funny because you, I mean, if you've ever seen a ghost hunting show, you've seen every ghost hunting show. Um, and this one was very true to form. But there was one point where they were, like, walking around the downstairs of the house. And there was, like, a light that went by, like, by a window. And they were like, what was that? What was that? And they're, like, all freaking out. And they're all panicking. And I, like, turned to my husband, who was sitting with me watching this. And I was like... That's literally cars going by. Like, this house is now on, like, a pretty busy street in Gettysburg. And this was, like, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night. It was not late in the evening. And it's, like, there's just cars going by. Like, I can guarantee you that's what that light was. But they were, like, oh, my God, what was that? What was that? And I was, like, y'all are full of it. 
this is some nonsense. Yeah, and that was really frustrating from somebody that I'd say I participated in ghost hunting, and I always tried to figure out what was actually going on. Was this a thing? Was this explainable? Or was it just something stupid? And I remember the group that I used to be part of, they had recordings from this house that they were investigating, and there was like crazy stuff going on. There was reporting of crazy experiences. And when they were investigating, they kept hearing these crazy sounds. They would see things. Then they watched back the tape. They saw the owners like hitting something or throwing something like over the shoulder. It was actually pretty hidden the way they would do it. But, you know, they saw it and they called the people back and were like, no, we're done. We're not coming back. That's that's not okay. I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, we were legit trying to help people out. And then, you know, they come back with this kind of crap. Like, it's a waste of gas. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. Well, and if uh, if you're producing a weekly TV show, like, you have to get a certain amount of weird footage. So, like, I yeah, I think they probably make a lot of that stuff up for the camera. So, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. It's those experiences that can really make you... You know, you see ghost hunting shows and you're like, okay, you get possessed every week. Either you are just a lightning rod for God's wrath or you're faking it. Right. I will say, though, that I have several paranormal experiences, both from my time at Iceberg and before. But the ghost horse one is probably the scariest which is i was just walking along the battlefield at dusk as you do when you live on the battlefield essentially that the seminary was uh with a friend steve nesbitt who um at the time was in at philadelphia seminary now it's the same seminary but at the time there were two different seminaries and we're just walking along and we had a group of friends who are ahead of us and as we were walking he and i were just talking like an real deep in our own thoughts talking about church nerd stuff because that's what we do and suddenly we both look up and there's this giant horse that horses are big to begin with but this one felt like even larger than normal and it was just this all black horse standing in the middle of the road in between us and the group that had went ahead of us and we're like both staring at each other like holy shit what is this horse why is there just this random horse in the middle of the road with no caretaker around because people like on the battlefield do like horse tours and stuff like that's a thing there's horses in gettysburg um so we're like freaking out about this horse we don't want to get too close because it's like will it kick us or something like that and then um, we hear our friend group who's ahead of us turn around to start walking back to us because they had made it to the monument that, that we were walking to. And as soon as they turn around and start shining their flashlights in our direction, the flashlights shine through the horse and the horse just disappears. Fucking creepiest moment of my life, I would say. So that's my biggest paranormal. But I also had like a ghost that was probably just my refrigerator making banging noises, but... I swear in my apartment in Gettysburg that I had a ghost that lived in my refrigerator. Um, probably wasn't, but probably a fully rational explanation. But I just like to pretend that I had a ghost. And I even named him. His name was Tom. That's fantastic. One of our one of our other seminary classmates uh, insisted that there was a ghost that lived in her shower. I don't know if you remember that, Pace. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a question to close us out. 
this is for you, Pace. In the secular world, October 31st is Halloween. We all know this. In the weird, nerdy Lutheran world, October 31st is also Reformation Day, because this was the day when Martin Luther posted the 95 Theses of, like, here's some shit I want to talk about, started a whole Reformation on accident. Uh, here's my question for you. Can you draw a thread? If anyone in the world can do this, it's Pace. Can you draw a thread connecting Halloween horror and Martin Luther, <laughs> tie it all together with a bow? Sure. I used to. So... Jenny might remember this. I don't know if you do or not. But like when I was attending seminary and was like fully in the track to like, I'm going to be a pastor. And so I was doing all the church nerd things to be a pastor. I, whenever it got to spooky season, I would always change my Facebook picture to a picture, to the traditional portrait of Martin Luther. Everyone who's ever seen a picture of Martin Luther has probably seen this one. Um, but I had Photoshopped a little pink tiara on him and like a wand and so i would call it like hollow reformoween and i'd say hollow happy hollow reformoween and stuff like that so that was like my big <laughs> thing i do remember that but the thread i would tie between the reformation and uh, halloween is basically the horrors of that led to the Reformation and also were part of the falling out of the Reformation. Particularly, I think of things like the Peasants' War. I think of Luther's anti-Semitic writings, which he did throughout his entire life, um, but grew in violence and intensity towards the end of his life. And I think of like a lot of those harmful consequences that we are still kind of that are still unfolding today. The um, all the wars between Protestants and Catholics during the time and stuff, but also a lot of the harm and the lack of care for the poor, the marginalized, um, and the harms that the church was doing at the time that led Luther to write the 95 Theses, I think are all quite horrifying and examples of real life horror. And Luther just wanted to take a stand and be like, hey, this is not okay. And we got a billion and a half Protestant denominations now as a result of that. So, yay. Oh, and there goes my dog. That was really good timing. I'm going to assume that Pace's dog was barking at a ghost and or demon and or the memory of Martin Luther. One of those things. Well, just remember, Martin Luther always encouraged you to fart at the devil. Ooh, that's a good that's a good line to end on. Yes, yes. Pace, thank you for joining us for this. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we will probably have to have you back at some point. Sure, sure. Uh, Josh, thanks as always. Anytime. I love talking spooky stuff, as you know. Pace, thank you very much. This was a blast. Yeah. So much fun. And now I have to invite both of you on to Jenny's already been on Horror Nerds at Church, but you too now, Josh, will have to be on Horror Nerds at Church and tell some of your supernatural stories on that as well. I have a few. <laughs> Pace, if you if you do another anime one, Josh is also a big anime fan. Ooh, good to know. Good to know. I am I am a nerd. Alright, everybody. Thank you for listening to Irreverent Bible Talk. Happy Halloween. And in the words of Martin Luther. 
fart at the devil. Thanks for listening to A Reverend Bible Talk. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us at soundcloud.com slash irreverentbible. And remember, just like Balaam and his donkey learned, sometimes even God communicates through a talking ass.